Listen to this uh, for a minute. This is a true story. Um, the company threw a lavish dinner to honor its CEO upon his retirement. His rise to the top spot in the company was unprecedented. His management of the company through tough times and boom times had been flawless. Everything he touched, it seemed, turned to gold. He had made himself and the company's senior managers and stockholders very wealthy people. At the retirement dinner, the CEO addressed his remarks to the company's up-and-coming executives, the young guns. This is part of what he said. I know all of you want my job, and I'll tell you how to get it. Last week, my daughter was married, and as I walked her down the aisle, I realized that I didn't know the name of her best friend, or the last book she read, or even her favorite color. My son was in the wedding party, and I know more about your families than I do his. That's the price I paid for this job. If you want to pay that price, you can have it. It's that simple. It's a good message, right? Um, kind of sad, in a sense, that he, this guy at that point in his life is looking at, I guess, some of the priorities that he had and how they were not quite maybe where they should have been. Um, but I think what he's saying is there's wisdom to it and truth to it. I mean, how could you really disagree with what he's saying? Um, I think what that guy said, I think, is sort of a, it's almost kind of an Advent message. Um, yeah, I just kind of like, it's kind of like Lent, but Lent always seems to get more of the play, right? You know, that's the one that we all kind of focus more on. You got the giving up of stuff and I think we just sort of commit more to, to Lent than we do to, to Advent. Uh, you know, this was always, this was kind of fun, the, the wreath thing. You know, as a kid, you'd get closer each, with each one. You'd, like, all right, Christmas is getting closer. So you'd be kind of excited about that. But I've always kind of felt it's like a, it's like a season sort of without a reason. Um, and, you know, I mean, that can't be the case. I mean, who am I to be deciding it's not a valuable, it's, it's got to be purpose for it. Um, it always begins Advent with these these readings or similar readings. They're like uh, they're dark, very apocalyptic, very you know end end of world stuff. You know, and I think maybe what we do sometimes we make the mistake we just take it, we take it very literally. Um, not not I'm not saying these Jesus's words here aren't to be taken literally. It's just that he's talking about the end of the world, and it's not yet the end of the world. So, is it really relevant for us? We're still here this morning. Um, I suspect there had to be like another meaning beyond the uh, literal. You know, when you think, like, listen to what he's what he talks about here. Just like he references these really important realities, especially in his day. He talks about the sun and the moon and the stars. He says the heavens will be shaken. These sort of given realities will kind of be undone. 
these things that were so central to them. I mean, in the, in the day of Jesus, like in terms of traveling, like, man, you needed the sun and the moon and the stars. That's how people got around. That's how people figured out what direction they were going in. You take that away and you're gonna be lost. So the sun and the moon and the stars were a big deal. But Jesus is saying, as big as they are, there's just something bigger. There's something more important, someone more important. And that's what we've got to go after. That's what we've got to pursue. The sun, moon, and stars doesn't, doesn't mean they don't matter. You still need them to get from one place to the next. But they're not most important. There's something else that's most important. And I think that's what Advent is telling us. You know, I was, uh, so Thursday after, uh, th- you know, I had mass down at Ignatius, and then uh, I went out, out to, uh, out east to Shelter Island um, with my family. My mom's, mom's got a house out there, and uh, I went for a walk, I guess, the next day, Friday morning, uh, with my dog. We went for a walk, and uh, I can't believe this, but I got lost. Um, I, this isn't the house I grew up in. It's not like my neighborhood, um, but we have had it for 20 years, so I don't know why I, I can't believe I got lost. It's just sort of a... Uh, kind of a windy where my mom's house is it's uh, a lot of like circular streets and everything kind of looks alike and anyway I just uh, I was like kind of lost my bearings and uh, but then I was thinking like her house the backyard of her house is on a golf course so I said all right we'll just find the golf course you know find the golf course and then you, you know more or less I'll know I'm close I'm close to the house um I couldn't, I couldn't find the golf course. I was like, how do you lose a golf course? I mean, it's not small. Um, well, eventually I took out my phone, sadly, and I GPSed. I knew the address of the house, and then I, that's, how I, that's how I made my way back. Um, but just like even like the, uh, the golf course, okay, that's there. That's, that's present. If I focus on that, I'll find my way home. It's a little bit like the sun, the moon, and the stars thing kind of like these fixed point realities, these things that don't really change and that really do help us get home. You know, in Jesus' day, clearly there was no, there weren't even compasses, let alone GPS. So this critically important, these realities, he's saying, yeah, you know, important, but not the most. Figure out what the most is. Go after that. I think that's what he's telling us about about these days, you know, in this, this season. So maybe here's, a, here's an Advent question. What are your fixed points? Kind of what's your north star? What's your, what's your lighthouse? Like what are the things that you, you just will not compromise? Because you just know it's so critical. It's so, like you're lost without these realities, these principles, these values. What are they? Maybe these, these four weeks are an opportunity to figure that out. Really, what he's saying is this, quite simply, whatever your fixed points are, if they're not Jesus, then we don't have it in the right order. 
And there are more than, you know, it's not like it's only Jesus. But it's got to be primarily Jesus. All the other stuff just kind of has to, then all the other essentials fall into place. But if he's not number one in our lives, that our lives are not going to be balanced properly. We become like that, I think, like that CEO. Interestingly enough, though, the guy that, you know, he said, uh, so make family first priority. I didn't even know my, my kid's best friend's name. How sad is that? So don't make my mistake. Like, make family priority. Actually, that's not even fully accurate. You know, make family more important than work, no question about it. But something's got to be more important even than family. That's what Advent's saying, I think. Like, it's God's got to be number one. Because when God is number one, then I am best toward my family. My family will get the best version of me when God is number one. I mean, it's a simple point. But there's just lots of competition out there. And whatever is competing with God and God's truth, maybe for these weeks, that's what we need to kind of go after. Maybe that's the, there's the reason for this season. I've got to make Jesus my fixed point. I can't lose sight of Jesus. Listen to this. This was a part of a commencement address given by, doesn't really matter who, just was spoken before a graduating class, university class. She said, people don't talk about the soul very much anymore. It's so much easier to write a resume than to craft a spirit. But a resume isn't much comfort when you're sad or broke or lonely or when you've got, gotten back test results and they're not so good. Here's my resume. I think I'm a good mother to my three kids. I've tried never to let my profession stand in the way of being a good parent. I no longer consider myself the center of the universe. I'm a good friend to my husband. I've tried to make my marriage vows mean what they say. I also think I'm a good friend to my friends. Without them, there'd be nothing to say to you today because I'd be a cardboard cutout. I would be rotten or at best mediocre at my job if those other things weren't true. You can't really be first rate at your work if your work is all that you are. So here's what I wanted to tell you today. This is to these graduates. Get a life, a real life, not a manic pursuit of the next promotion, the big paycheck, the large house. Get a life in which you're generous. Care so deeply about life's goodness that you want to spread it around. Work in a soup kitchen. Be a big brother or sister. All of you want all of you want to do well, but if you don't do good too, doing well will never be enough. 
Well, that's great, isn't it? Isn't that true, too? Here's another one. This guy says, no corporate title can replace the times when your newborn son or daughter leans their head on your chest and falls asleep. No limo or private jet makes up for being there when your son is growing from a child into a young man. Time spent with your kids isn't a distraction from the main event. It is the main event. Oh man, well that's true too, right? I mean, these are the kind of things that you, you say to people when they're entering the world and gonna, you know that they're gonna pursue success and they should and they should commit to it. But just like these people are saying, just like that CEO, like, just don't go overboard with it. Remember what matters most. And as true as these things are, they're not the most true. Like they're saying, yeah, like your job is important, but your son and your daughter are way more important. And so is your husband and wife. And so is serving people. That's right, that's all true. But I think Advent's saying, as true as they all, those things are, God's, God's gotta be number one. I've gotta make God the most important reality in my life. And when I do that, man, I'm not like that CEO with like sort of significant regrets because I did it right most of the time. You know, when I was home, uh, when I was out east, um, I went down in the basement at one point to, to get something and in the corner of the room there were these bunch of boxes that are mine. They're like my stuff from over the years, you know, books, textbooks from college and seminary that I don't know why they never got tossed or they've continued to kind of travel to the different places my, my parents had lived, I guess. So I looked at this, uh, I was just kind of curious and there was a, like a, a shoebox. So I opened it up and there were these cassette tapes. Like remember when cassettes were you know, pre-CD? Uh, I mean, they're kind of useless now, but they were all, there's about, about six or seven of these uh, bootleg Bruce Springsteen concerts um, that were very hard to get 30 years ago. We used to go into Greenwich Village to a couple of record stores and you'd kind of buy them illegally, I think. I don't think they, they really weren't legal. Um, I don't know why I'm admitting this up here, but so, um, you know, and then we, you know, then you put it onto the seat, uh, onto the cassette and uh, you had it for the car. Springsteen's concerts are like epic. He's just, he's known more than anything, I think, for his concert performances. They just, they go on forever, hours, especially those back in the 80s and 90s, four hour long concerts. He just had, he was like possessed. He was just so consumed by like the power of the music. He used to talk about it all the time. In fact, he would often at the end of a concert, he would shout out, I'm just a prisoner of rock and roll. Like he was just, that was the most important thing in his life. He was a prisoner of rock and roll. Which, if you're a Bruce fan and you got tickets to his concerts, like, that's, man, that's exactly what you're looking for because he puts on this, like, not-to-be-believed performance. But to be a prisoner of it, like, to be almost possessed by 
rock and roll or your job or being accepted by people. Like, ah, we should never be prisoner to those things. You know, you know I love Springsteen, so I've, I followed his career. Like, as he's gotten older, he's now in his 70s. You know, he, he shifted. The stuff he wrote about when he was 30, when he was a prisoner of rock and roll, he didn't really write about that anymore. You know, when he got to his middle-aged years, he started writing about people, like family and kids and commitment and promise. Like his priorities shifted and it was reflected in, in his music. I mean, I guess maybe all of this is about just like, man, like what are the, what are the stars that navigate our life? I mean, there's the question. What stars navigate your life? And I say stars, plural, because there are more than one, and there should be more than one. There's nothing wrong with one of the stars being, yeah, my job, I love my job, and I'm passionate about it. There's nothing to apologize for that, but just don't make it the North Star, that's all. And of course, family and friends ought to be really close to being the North Star. But I think he's saying in this gospel, don't make it the north. Make it just shy of the north star. Your family and your, the people in your life. The north star is reserved for one. It's Advent. Who's your north star? Make it Jesus. Jesus.